0: I have to apologize right off the bat. I was not able to get out a Thursday episode this week. It's been a crazy week. I'm going to tell you about tell you about it right now before we jump into the Faith Friday thing. So it's been a crazy week. We had snow and stuff on Monday. Well, no, it wasn't Monday. Not this week. That was last week. This week went pretty smooth up until um, oh, maybe... Tuesday, Wednesday, I was behind in my schedule. I think there was rain or something, but I got caught up. I worked um, I worked 12 hours on Wednesday and was able to get caught up. Uh, so I did, what was it, 16 lawns on Wednesday. And then yesterday, uh, I did four lawns by myself, and then I had a breakdown. I was in a backyard on the Gravely zero-turn mower that I have, and the drive belt broke. Now, normally, uh, this would not be a hard fix at all. However, on the Gravely, you have to take some things apart. You have to do a bunch of stuff. The mower has to be jacked up so you can get underneath it because the muffler is in the back, and it comes down and sits over where that belt is, which is really frustrating, so it has to be jacked up. So I couldn't fix this in the field, and things have to be loosened and taken off so you can put the new belt on. So I pushed that mower back and put it on the trailer, and I push mowed that backyard. All right, and then I decided, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm pretty close to the dealer, I'm gonna go to the dealer, pick up a new belt, and I will just head home dealer's about 10 minutes from my house, just head home, get something quick to eat and then replace this and get back out there. Well, I've never had to change the drive belt on the gravely before. And so got back home, did a little research. I'm like, Oh great. I can't do this. And I can't do this in a short amount of time, just my mechanical ability. And the way I know that I work on this type of stuff, I, I, it's going to take me forever. So you guys could probably have it changed in 15 minutes. I, I can't. So I, I know my abilities. Okay. So I, I just, I asked my son, Marcus, he was done with school by then. I said, why don't you just come out with me? Would you come out with me and work and help me get caught up? So he did, he came out, um, earned a bunch of money and we got all caught up except for one lawn. I still have one lawn I have to do. And, so we got to the first property that we were going to after we left home. We get there. I go to start my Toro Multiforce and I turn the key and it clicks and the, the top head on the, the engine, you know what I'm talking about. It turned just slightly and then pop. It just made a popping sound and I knew exactly what it was. I blew a fuse, a 15 amp fuse. So I'm like, what is this? So I went back, I went into the truck, I got another fuse, replaced it, tried it again, you know, waited for the little, the little light to go off, turned the key, pop. It did again. I blew 10 fuses, 10, because I was just frustrated. I'm like, I know this thing runs because I ran it just today. I know it runs. What's wrong with it? So there must be some wires or something that's touching that are bare or whatever. I don't know. Something's going on there. I got to figure that out today. So that was the second breakdown of my day yesterday. I was so frustrated. So uh, we came back home. I got the Bradley mower. Um, Thank goodness for the Bradley. However, the Bradley has an oil leak. Now the oil leak has been there for a while and it's fairly bad but what what I'm pretty sure that the oil leak is is it's the bottom seal of the engine is leaking. There's only 67 hours on this Bradley mower. This is a this is a Vanguard engine. So it's uh, ugh, I hate I hate the Briggs and Stratton Vanguard engine. I just do. It's I know a lot of guys that just do not like this engine. My dealer, he taught, he tried to tell me that the Vanguard engines are bulletproof. And I'm like, right, show me proof. Cause everyone that i talked to said the Vanguard engine is crap. So I, I assumed the the oil leak is coming from there because I can't see any other oil leak anywhere else. Uh, it's certainly not coming from the fill tube and it's not coming from the the oil um the oil filter it's not coming from those two places i know that for sure so it's got to be something down low because it's not leaking from top and so it what happens is around the engine it there's just oil it's just oil everywhere so I take some oil, I, I, you know, I dump oil in there, make sure it's topped off good. And we take the Bradley out, finish up the day. And I still have another yard to do today. I'm going to check the oil again before we go because, you know, I probably leaked a a bit of oil. It's probably a slow leak, but it's just been so long that it looks like it's a big leak. So I, I get it. A little bit of oil can make it look like there's a huge a huge problem. And no, I don't want to run this mower with an oil leak, but right now I don't have much of a choice. My dealer basically told me he wasn't going to work on it because it's a Bradley. It's not anything they sell. And I don't know, I'm going to call Bradley today, see what they can recommend to me. Um, and then I will just, if I have to, I'll take it back to that dealer and say, Hey, got an oil leak. You're going to have to work on it. Um, and if they refuse, then I don't know what I'll do. I'll find another dealer, maybe a Bradley dealer. There's a couple down in Indiana, Northern Indiana, that I could take it to a couple hours away, but I could do that. <clears throat> so that has been my week. It's been stressful and I haven't even started working on the equipment yet. So, cause this all happened yesterday. So I'm a little stressed out today. Um, I haven't been able to focus really well, but I'm going to try to focus and and give you the best Faith Friday podcast that I can today because these are so important. I try so hard not to miss these Faith Friday episodes because, I number one, they're my most listened to episode, and number two, they're so important they're so important to running a good, healthy business. And it's, they're so important to help keeping you healthy. So that's, that's why I try to get these faith Friday episodes out. All right. Now you'll have to excuse me. I'm going to be clearing my throat a lot. Allergies are bad right now, and I can't do much much about it. So I'm just going to have to clear my throat. You're going to have to listen to it and deal with it. All right. So with all that being said, Let me play the show's sponsor, and then we will jump right into today's Faith Friday episode. As a lawn care provider, do you want to make a year-round income? Are you worried at the end of the lawn care season because you don't know how you're going to make it through the winter? Then you need to check out the 12-month contract from the Mowing in the Dark podcast. This is the same contract that Aaron uses to grow his lawn care business. This 100% editable 12-month contract template is available for only $5.99. The contract has rock-solid terms and conditions, so you are protected from all kinds of liability in lawn maintenance and snow removal. Get your 12-month contract at MowingInTheDarkPodcast.com today. All right, guys. Today, we are jumping into Galatians 4. Last week we did Galatians 3, so how we do the Faith Friday episodes, they're different, okay? If this is your first time listening, welcome. First of all, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Not every episode is a faith episode. As you can see, it's Faith Friday, so I only do a Faith Friday episode on Friday. But what I do is I take a book of the Bible and we go through chapter by chapter. I read at the beginning of the episode, I read through the whole chapter and then we go back to verse one and we kind of break it down a little bit. Sometimes they use commentaries and stuff like that. I am not a Bible scholar. I don't claim to be one. I never went to Bible school. I don't have biblical training. I just love the word of God and I like sharing it with people. So I give you as much as I can. But what I... What I try to explain or try to convey is do your own homework. Read it for yourself. Maybe you'll see something that I didn't see. Read it for yourself. So if you're listening at home or watching at home, if you're watching on Rumble, I encourage you to grab your Bible, read along, and let's jump into Galatians chapter four. What am I saying is, I'm sorry, I just messed up. Let's start again. Galatians chapter 4. What I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves, to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? Are you observing special days and months and seasons and years? I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my effort on you. I plead with you, brothers, become like me, for I became like you. You have done me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. Even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. What has happened to all your joy? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us, so that you may be zealous for them. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always, and not just when I am with you. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone, because I am perplexed about you. Tell me who... Tell me... You who want to be under the law, are you now aware what the law says? I'm sorry, let me read that again. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born in the ordinary way, but his son by the free woman was born as the result of a promise. These things may be taken figuratively, for the woman pre- represents. I'm sorry, let me start again. These things may be taken figuratively, for the women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now, Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is the sla- is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Be glad, O barren woman, who bears no children. Break forth and cry aloud." You who have no labor pains, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. At that time, the son born in the ordinary way persecuted the son born by power of the Spirit. It is the same now, but what does the Scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. And that ends Galatians chapter 4. Now let's go back to verse 1. All right, verse 1. What I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. So what Paul is talking about here, this kind of is in the middle. We're coming into the middle of a thought here. So I'm going to go back to Galatians chapter 3 and read the whole section here just to give some context, okay? So Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ <clears throat> in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. All right. So we see that he he brings in Abraham there, and Sarah, and Hagar are the two that two women that Paul is talking about here in this chapter. Excuse me. So let's read uh, chapter 4, verse 1 again. What I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. So if we think about what Paul is saying here, is that we have we own the whole estate, but we're children right? I mean, that's what he's saying here. Let's read on to verse two. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So it's like a rich kid, like a little rich kid. Okay. He doesn't, he doesn't have access to all the money because he's immature. He's, he's, he's not ready for that yet. He's got trustees and people over him. He's got guardians over him, watching over him until the time that he is old enough to take hold of that. Verse three, so also when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. So just like that little child who is under a guardian, who's basically in slavery because he's under those people, we are the same way. We're under the principles of this world. We're we're still, we're in Christ, but we're under the principles of this world. Verse four, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights of sons. All right, so this is interesting to me. I, I really... The book of Galatians, it, and again, I want to be gentle here, but it it goes very contrary to the beliefs of the Catholic Church. Because if, if you see here, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, that's Jesus Christ, born of a woman, that's Mary, born under the law, so he says that both Jesus and Mary were born under the law. Now, the Catholic Church believes that Mary was divinely conceived as Jesus was, which means she was sinless. She had no sin. And I've been listening to some Catholic podcasts and things like that, and it it just does not make sense. It does not make sense that if Mary was born in the same way that Jesus was born, if the Holy Spirit came upon Mary's mother like the Holy Spirit came upon Mary, then that would mean that Mary would have to be part of God because she was produced in the same way that Jesus was produced, correct? Correct. If not, if not, which our God is a God of order, so it's, I, I, it's very far-fetched, okay? But if not, if God, if the Holy Spirit did not come upon Mary's mother as he came upon Mary, then Mary's mother would have had to been sinless. And Mary's mother's mother would have to be sinless. And Mary's mother's mother's mother would have to be sinless. All the way back. All the way back to Adam and Eve. And we know that's not true. So either Mary is God, a part of the Godhead, or she comes from a line of people who were sinless. And we know that's not true because in Galatians it says, Every single person has sinned. We're under the law. We're born under the law. Let's read verse 4 again. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Now, I'm not sure if Paul intends it to sound like Both Jesus and Mary were born under the law, or if it's just Jesus he's talking about here, born under the law, which Jesus was, he was born under the law, but he was not born of ordinary generation because the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and, and Mary conceived a child. All right. It was this, this child was fully God and fully man. Okay. Okay. So, born under the law, verse 5, to redeem those under the law. See, if Jesus wasn't born under the law, he could not redeem those under the law. God is a God of order. Okay, God God does does not change his order. Nor can he. God cannot change. God is God. He is who he is. He cannot change. Because to change... For God to change would mean that he would not be God. He does not change because if he had to change, he would not be in the fullness of God. I hope that makes sense. Probably clear as mud. All right, verse 5 again. To redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Now, whose rights of sons? Sorry, guys, I'm itching my ear. I had a very bad itch. I know, I'm all out of sorts, guys. This has been a weird week. Um, To redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Whose sons? The sons of God, that we might all receive the full rights as adopted sons of God. Verse 6, Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts. The Spirit who calls out abba father so god sent his spirit we're seeing we're seeing the the trinity here we're seeing god the father god the son and god the holy spirit and so because you are sons god sent the spirit of his son into our hearts the spirit who calls out abba father is it we who call out abba father no, it's the spirit that calls out Abba Father. Verse 7. So you are no longer a slave but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. So you're an adopt if you believe on Jesus Christ, you are an adopted son of God. And if you're an adopted son of God, you're also an heir. An heir to the kingdom. Verse 8: Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. We were slaves to the flesh. We were slaves under rulers in this world. The president of the United States is a ruler. The, our government, they're all rulers. They rule over us. We're slaves to them. But mostly, to our own flesh, right? Verse 9, But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, that's a very big distinction, you can know God and not be known by God. You can. You can study the Bible. You can read all you want to. You can know this book back and forward. You can have it memorized and not have faith in God, which means you're not known by God. You know him, he don't know you. As the Bible says, there will be people in the last day at judgment day that say, "When did I when did I give you food and clothe you and and come and visit you in prison?" And 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 we're going to people are going to say, "Look at my good works. Look what I did. I did all this for you." And Jesus is going to say, "Depart from me. I never knew you." Verse nine again. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? So what he's he's talking to the Galatians, the Galatians have kind of this group called the Judaizers have come into the Galatian church. They have been teaching things that are not a part of the gospel. Mainly, they are requiring the Galatian church, who are, are not Jews, they're Gentiles, to follow the Jewish feasts and the, the dates and the, the, the celebrations, and, and they want them to be circumcised. And Paul is saying here, don't you understand that's not what this is about at all? But now that you know God, or rather known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? Why does he say enslaved by all these Jewish rules? Because that's the law. The law is not good news. The law is was in place to make us aware of our sinfulness. The law cannot save it's powerless to save and paul is asking them here do you want to be miserable all over again do you do you want to be a slave again you're you've been free with faith in jesus christ and now you want to go back to being a slave just like egypt did back in exodus right they complained while they were in the desert after they were set free from pharaoh why can't we go back to to um to Egypt. At least there we had food to eat and water to drink. They wanted to go back under slavery because they were miserable. I'm miserable. Verse ten. Sorry, that was a little weird. Verse ten. You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. Verse eleven. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. He's he's Paul is so bold. I mean, he's just like, I fear that I might have wasted my time on you because you're just going back to, to the old way of life. You're going back under slavery. Verse 12, I plead for with you, brothers, become like me, for I became like you. You have done me no wrong. He's asking them, if nothing else, follow my example, be like me, have freedom, have freedom. You don't need to follow these laws and customs anymore. You're free from that. We are free from the law. Verse 13, as you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. So a lot of people think that this was an illness with the eyes, And we'll see why in just a second here. Um, Let's see. Verse 14. Even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. So they were very gracious to Paul. They welcomed him in even though he was sick, even though he was a burden. Verse 15. What has happened to all your joy? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. So this is partly where I think this was something to do with the eyes. Probably stemming back to when God struck Paul blind on the road to Emmaus. um, When Paul was converted and he's saying, what happened to all your joy? They were so joyful when Paul brought them the message of freedom in Christ Jesus. They were so joyful for that. And he says, you would have ripped out your own eyes and given them to me if you could have. Verse 16, have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? So he's being very bold here and he's asking them, and, Am I your enemy now because I'm telling you the truth? Is that, is that how far we've gone here? Verse 17, those people, those people being the Judaizers, those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good what they want is to alienate you from us so that you may be zealous for them what what paul's saying here is that he want they want to alienate you from the truth they want to alienate you from freedom so that you're back under the law they want you to be zealous for them they want you to be intense for them they want you to have that very intense belief for them they're jealous they have jealousy because of your freedom, verse eighteen. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so also, and to be so always, and not just when I am with you. So they were zealous when Paul was there, but once Paul left, their their zeal waned because these, this other group came in, and they were no longer zealous, and they were no longer joyful because they were being put all these rules were being pushed on them verse 19 my dear children for whom i am again in the pains of childbirth until christ is formed in you how i wish i could be with you now and change my tone because i am perplexed about you about you when he says childbirth the pains of childbirth it's because he was, he, he was pained by them when he came to them. He was pained by how strapped they were by, by being miserable and under the law. And then he was joyful. And that, that's painful. That's painful for a believer and, and to, to work and to, and to witness to people. And then they finally get it. And it's like, ah, I had this baby. You know, he planted the church. It's like a childbirth and it's painful until you get the baby and then it's joyful, right? I mean, I don't know if you've been through a childbirth or not, but I've been through two of them and it's painful up until that baby comes out. And then the mother is like, Oh, Oh, it's so precious. It's like a a light switch is flipped. The pain's gone. And it's like, Oh, and it, it all has to do with chemicals in the body, but it's more than that. It's the mother wants that baby so bad. And it's like, oh, I'm relieved that I am no longer under the law. I now I can live by faith. I'm no longer under that law. Same thing with, with childbirth. Um, let's see here. Verse 20, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. He's perplexed about why they would want to go back under the law. And this this Judaizer group has come in and just convinced them that they still need to follow these Jewish customs. Verse 21, tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you now, are you not aware of, of what the law says, verse 22, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. So he's going all the way back because at this time, the rest of the Bible wasn't written. All right. They had some other prophet books and things like that. Some of the prophets, but he takes them all the way back to Genesis The very first book. For a long time, they only had the first five books of the Bible. The Pentateuch, which was Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He takes them all the way back to Genesis, to the time of Abraham, because they would all know this. They would all know this. Verse 22, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and the other by a free woman. So what this is, God promised Abraham that his descendants would be as many as the grains of sand on the seashore and as many as the stars in the sky. That's a huge promise. But when God gave Abraham Abraham, and Sarah, his wife, this promise, they were already well past the years of childbearing. They were old. And so Sarah says, take my servant girl, Hagar, and go sleep with her and have a son through that. They tried to do it their own way. They, Sarah tried to have this done their own way, and it didn't work. Verse 23, his son, by the slave woman, was born in the ordinary way. But his son, by the free woman, by Sarah, his wife, was born as the result of a promise. So Isaac, the slave woman's son, born in the ordinary way. Just go have sex and and you'll have a baby. The other one was God promising that I will make you and Sarah, your descendants, as many as the seashores. And so Sarah tried to do it. They both, Abraham and Sarah, they're both in on this. They both had a part to play in it, tried to do it their own way. It didn't work because that child was not of the promise. Verse 24. These things may be taken fi- figuratively, for the woman represents two co- for the women re- represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar, the servant girl. Verse 25. Now Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. Okay, so Hagar is in slavery with her children, but the Jerusalem that is above is free and she is our mother. Jerusalem is the promise, all right? For, for it is written, Be glad, O barren woman, who bears no children break forth and cry aloud you who have no labor pains because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband we see this right in in the church there's a lot of believers out there and there's more believers than any one woman could ever have but that that's the promise verse 28 Now you brothers, like Isaac, the son of of the promise, are children of promise. Verse 29, at that time, the son born in the ordinary way persecuted the son born by power of the Spirit. It is the same now. What Paul is saying is the sons that are under the law are persecuting the sons that are born of the Spirit. It's the same thing. The sons that are under the law are saying, no, you have to follow our rules, the law. You cannot live this way. They're, the spirit, the ones under the spirit are being persecuted. Verse 30. But what does the scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. What this is saying, this is figurative, and it also harkens back to the story of Hagar and Abraham. They send Hagar away with her son because they they are not a part of the inheritance. And it's figurative and literal back in that story. It's figurative here because those under the law those who live under the law, they have no hope of salvation because they cannot keep the law. If you die in your sins under the law, you you go to judgment. But if you have faith through the Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, you have eternal life. That's what that verse is saying. That's what verse 30 is saying. 31. Therefore, brothers, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. We are not slaves under the law. We are free. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You. And that ends the book of the, the book. Chapter four of Galatians, Um, it's just so replete with talking about our freedom, especially in the second half of the book of Galatians. So this is a really good book to read. Um, The book of Galatians has a lot of meat in it. I would encourage you to sit down and read it. It's not a huge long read. It's only six chapters long. Most of Paul's letters aren't that long. So I really encourage you guys to read the word on your own. Read it every day. It it gets into your soul when you read it every single day. So I really encourage you to read it every single day. And that's it for this episode, guys. I hope that it was helpful for you. I hope you got something out of it. And As always, I will see you in the next Faith Friday episode.